0: I tried to think about it as I watched it and after I watched it, but my brain was like, <laughs> what was it like? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: okay. Yeah. Wait, can you, I, I didn't quite get that.
0: Oh, okay. Well, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I see. Got it. I got yeah, it. That's time.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm very clear in my language. Welcome to Stargatesing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And every other week, we discuss an episode of Stargate, beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello! Hello! How are you? Ah, I'm okay. I think I like donating blood better at the end of the day than in the middle of it. Oh. Because I just feel, like, so tired and low energy now, and... Oh, no. And usually I've been doing it after work on like Friday night. So I usually just come home and get to crash after that. But what's yeah. fine? I'll live. It would be fine if I hadn't spilled my tea everywhere. That is tragic. It was very sad. And Pepper is right next to me. She's
1: very cute. Pepper is very cute. Coconut is next to me, but she's not chewing on anything today. So that's good.
0: Ah, Pepper's purring, but not snoring. So hopefully she won't come through. Since my tea spilled, I have moved on to the non alcoholic coffee porter from Athletic Brewing. Ooh, delicious.
1: It's pretty good. I'm going to go back to my cutting back on alcohol, but for now I'm leaning into my monstrousness. Hell yeah. yeah. It's weird to go from working like sixty to seventy hours a week to not working at all.
0: I imagine it is. I did not have <laughs> that problem, but I don't say I
1: wouldn't say it's a problem necessarily. <laughs> I got approved for unemployment today, so that's nice.
0: Woo-hoo! Woohoo. And we get to keep that going for a little while longer. Yes.
1: Yeah. Although one of my jobs will be resuming in a couple weeks though, so I don't yeah. know that that would I don't know how what impact that'll have obviously. <laughs> because I've never been on unemployment before, but my full-time job, which was only temporary, is now over, so. Yeah. Woo. And it's not that I haven't been trying to find a new job. I have, even despite all the crazy extra hours, been yeah. still looking for jobs, too. But there's just not a whole lot out there because there's this whole pandemic going on.
0: What? In case you didn't know. I heard that wasn't real. I heard it's all made uh, up. Don't get the vaccine because it's a totally fake virus. You don't need to put that whatever <laughs> microchips Bill Gates has in- wants to insert in your body. Just resist it. Uh, I love vaccines and
1: I get all the vaccines I can just because. <laughs> <laughs> So, make or chip me away, Bill Gates. I will take your vaccine gladly.
0: <laughs> I would get more vaccines if I didn't have to pay for some of them. Oh, that's fair. I've actually <laughs> well, had a like... bunch of
1: extra vaccines because of various travels and spending a little bit of time doing some clinical hours in an ER way back in college and yeah. stuff like that. So, I've had I've had a good number of extra
0: vaccines, and
1: I still uh, I'm still not dead. <laughs> right. I know. So here we are. Um, you're a
0: more machine now than person, <laughs> machine but. Machine now than Mary. <laughs> but you are already twisted and evil, so. This is bad. That's very
1: true. That had nothing to do with the vaccines. Although, I don't know. My mom did give me vaccines when I was a kid, so maybe that is one. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hmm. Thank you, mom. My mom listens now, speaking of my mom. Yay! So hi to our new VIP listener, my mom.
0: Hi, Mary's mom. I love you. She's the best, and everyone should follow her trend, because (laughs) she's awesome. Because
1: listening to this podcast and vaccinating your children are both good.
0: Yes. (laughs) Mary's mom knows what's up. That's right, she does.
1: So, we should probably get around to actually talking about the episode. What are we talking about today?
0: Today we are talking about Korai, which was Season 1, Episode 16 of Stargate SG-1. It feels weird that we're that far into the season already. It's so weird. And also, where did my notes go? Oh my god, I'm gonna choke. Are they gone
1: forever? I can send you my notes. They no, probably I... are similar to yours. Because they, <laughs> they both cover
0: the same episode. <laughs> I have them. They were just on a tap. Which for some reason I was having a hard time locating. It's really hard to be you. It is. Very, <laughs> very hard. That's why I hide under a blanket with my cat all That's day. Right. Every day sounds like a good there's... way to
1: spend your day to me i do yeah. similar I, similarly i hide under a blanket with the dog yeah
0: most of the day I spend a lot of time thinking about my shower so mm. but not using it i mean i did use it <laughs> i did use it tiles fell out it's not like i just think about showering but don't you I have mean, good
1: reason to not be using your shower right now yeah.
0: They put a bunch of plastic up but i'm still like maybe i shouldn't use it a lot just in case mm, it's still gonna get like, kinda humid it's back just, there. Yeah, yeah plastic and duct tape and it's not completely sealed so mm-hmm. hopefully that will be getting repaired next week that would be nice when i'm also still off of work uh-huh! awesome. yeah
1: anyway the episode opens on a medieval looking village there are no people around, but there are signs that people had just recently been there, like fresh produce on tables and a fire burning under a kettle. Tilk tells Daniel that he's been there before. It's a place called Cartigo, and the Gua would love to go there to harvest. And Daniel's response to that is well, they're human beings, not Brussels sprouts, but apparently that's how the Gua would refer to it. <laughs> O'Neill says that maybe they ran away out of fear when the gate powered up, if, if that's the case, if the Gua were coming here to take people. On a regular basis. They do at this point mention the fact that it looks like it was just recently inhabited so the people can't have gone very far and then we pan up a little bit and see that there's a large concrete looking building a couple stories tall and they head to that. Once inside that building we see that there's fires burning in the torch stands and they again say that it can't have been deserted for very long and all of a sudden a bunch of people run out with crossbows drawn and Daniel says that they must think we're the guawuld. O'Neill asks Dan if he can maybe communicate with them in some way to let them know that they're friendly, but the guy standing closest to O'Neill asks, well, if you're friendly, why should I believe you because you're holding weapons? At which point O'Neill points out that they are also holding weapons, pointed at SG-1. So O'Neill offers to lower theirs first, which they do, and then Mm -hmm. the locals follow suit. But then the locals realize that Teal'c is with them and they recognize him as a Jaffa because the gold metal tattoo is a pretty dead giveaway so they pull their weapons on him again and they tell Tilk to tell the locals that he's peaceful, which he does, he tells them that he's peaceful now, but the guys don't believe him because apparently Tilk killed the father of the main guy who is now talking to them Uh-oh. that takes us to the credits
0: it does take us to the credits mm-hmm. back from the credits, we're uh having a little standoff here Whee! Where a bunch of uh, folk from the village are surrounding Teal'c, pointing their crossbows at them, while SG-1 is also pointing their guns at the people from this planet. Teal'c says he doesn't recognize this guy, who is Hanno. Yes. And...
1: Took me a while to get that. They don't mention it until, like, halfway through the episode, but yeah.
0: Yeah. And Hanno is pretty sure... He's not pretty sure he knows that Teal has killed his father, but he has a little back and forth with one of his guys that is also pointing the weapons. I don't know if they're his guys. They could just be guys. The guys. Like, yeah. They, they, I don't know that there's a command structure and that he's in charge, but yeah, he seems
1: leadery, but he's yeah. clearly not the leader because they mentioned in a couple minutes that they do have leaders. Yeah.
0: Uh, but they have a little bit of a back and forth about uh what to do because it seems like hannah is pretty gung-ho to just you know kill him right there kill him right there <laughs> yes and uh he says that that's not the bursa way the other guy yes. um which i think is the name of the people of the planet
1: it is and it also made me laugh because bursa is like a fluid-filled sack that cushions the knees. And also, well, also other joints, but I typically think of it as the knee because I have bursitis in one of my knees, but it's Ah. also found in like a lot of other joints too. But anyway, every time they said that, that's what it made me think of. (laughs) (laughs) It's also one of the things I teach my anatomy and physiology students about. So that's all I could think when they kept talking about bursa, (laughs) even though it's, I think, spelled differently in this. But yeah, Yeah, that's the name of the people.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so he's, you know, he convinces Hanno that It is not their way to just take revenge, or otherwise they're no better than the Jaffa. So they decide to take him to their elders, and they lead Teal'c out, and the SG team follows as they all go outside. Yes.
1: So outside, all the locals come out from wherever it is that they were hiding before. Daniel wonders if they were all at some sort of a religious event, and O'Neill asks why Daniel always assumes that everything is of religious significance and that maybe they were just at a swap meet or something. But one of the locals points out that only the gods come through the Kokona. And when that happens, everybody runs and hides. Daniel says that it's pretty weird that they have two base languages on this planet. And apparently there's a lot mostly English, but then they've got some other random foreign words. But that he but he says that Kokona roughly translates to Circle of woes."
0: I want to say, too, it doesn't yeah. seem to actually matter that these are two different languages.
1: Right, because it's almost all English, except for like two or three words.
0: And it's not brought up again. Like, that's not a significant plot point or anything. Right.
1: No, it really so... isn't. I don't know why they even bothered. <laughs> I Just don't know to... why we then bothered repeating what Just they Just sprinkle do- in the d- fun facts
0: bother. and then, you know. Because, you know, Daniel likes to throw in all the fun facts yeah. in this episode. But
1: he didn't bother mentioning, like, other planets, like, on uh, Shulak, they mostly speak English. But then they call the gate the Chapa eye but he hasn't... <laughs> analyze the the duolingual the the bilingual base of their planet so whatever. Anyway. Anyway This is the complain about Daniel podcast. (laughs) Yes. Welcome to stargating where we complain about Daniel.
0: (laughs) He wears glasses, what a nerd. (laughs) Such a dweeb. He's got allergies too. always talking about ancient cultures what is that blah 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 i'm daniel (laughs) oh where they took my wife i mean that's a legitimate complaint
1: yes (laughs) (laughs) we are monsters it's (laughs) fine yes we are (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: anyway, the elders ask SG-1 to approach, but then immediately tell them that they may go. So why they needed to approach for that, I don't know.
0: <laughs> but when
1: they go to tell Tilk to dial out, they make it clear that Tilk will not be going with them because he needs to stay for the Korai. Hano asks again if Tilk recognizes him, and Tilk says that he doesn't. So the guy asks, do you recognize this thing then? And he holds up a thing. I had actually thought it was a weapon at first, but in the next scene, we cut to a flashback scene where we find out that it was actually a crutch. And not only was it a crutch, but it was the crutch belonging to Hanno's father. So in the flashback, we see a man without a leg, standing and leaning on the crutch. Tilk, in his full Jaffa armor, has his weapon drawn on the old man, and Apophis says to do it, and Tilk shoots. And then there's a kid in the background calling for his father, who is presumably that guy and uh, once the father has been shot down the kid kneels over his dead body crying and makes eye contact with Tilk, and it's quite sad. So now Tilk says that he does recognize the guy and the locals take him into custody. O'Neill of course being trigger happy as he is goes to to, uh, fire on all of them but Daniel tells him that is not how to handle a situation like this.
0: Good call, Daniel. Yes. So we go downstairs into a... I'm not sure if it's part of that bigger building or if it's just another building. But anyway, we go down some stairs. I think it's the same building. Yeah. Into a prison cell where they put Teal'c, who says that he is guilty and must pay for what he's done. So he's uh he's on board with punishment. Yeah.
1: He's a stand-up guy. He's okay with... Whatever they're gonna do, yeah.
0: Jack does get the uh, the the gentleman from the village to at least untie Teal'c's hand while he's locked up in the cell, so that was good. And they're told they're allowed to stay. uh, SG One is allowed to stay for the Korai. and then the villagers depart. Jack is making a plan to break Teal'c out, and Daniel is not for it, and Teal'c is also against the plan, and he will refuse to go. He says it will disrespect the Bursa if he does leave. And Daniel agrees. Jack's like, they might want to kill you, Teal'c. And Daniel's like, it might just be a trial near as I can figure. And Jack's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. What if it's beheading? And Teal'c says like, he refuses to run. That was really boring. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. <funny. laughs> I'm like, oh, that's what happened. <laughs> that is. That is what happened.
1: A little bit later in the dungeon, a handful of women come down and kneel before Tilk, where he is in his cage. SU1 asks why they're there and the main lady who I don't think we ever learn her name says that she's been chosen to be Tilk's voice and must witness his Pekave. Sam asks what that is and basically it essentially translates to his confession. So O'Neill asks why no one has considered the fact that he might not actually be guilty. So the lady responds that, well, if he wasn't guilty, then there wouldn't need to be a cry. And so O'Neil oh. then kneels down next to her and is very condescending when he asks her whatever happened to innocent until proven guilty. And she has, of course, no idea what he's talking about because <laughs> they're not in America.
0: But don't and, worry. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so Daniel does explain that historically most societies have actually run on the opposite premise that you're guilty until proven innocent. O'Neill says that these women aren't going to hear any Pekave and that he will be Tilk's voice. And then after the women leave, the arrest of SG-1 are like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> the least diplomatic person that we know. <laughs> and instead, he's actually rather antagonistic and is like the last person that should be representing Tilk. So they make the decision that all three of them are going to represent him kind of as like a joint council.
0: Teal looked kind of frowny. I'm not sure if it was the prospect or just the general situation, but <laughs> could be either. Could be both. Yeah, he
1: does <laughs> frown a lot.
0: He does frown a lot. <laughs>
1: could just be ne- resting frowny face.
0: Um. <laughs> yeah. He he does definitely. I think have resting frowny face. He has frowny resting base. frowny face. Yeah. After this, we are in the building we started in at the beginning of the episode, which I guess is some sort of courthouse. Yeah. Or room where they pass judgment on you. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> courthouse. I just, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I have it called the Korai room in my notes. Ah, there you go. uh Teal'c is put in the center of the room in a little, uh... Penalty box. Penalty box, yes, there we go. <laughs> there are bells ringing in the background. People file in to watch the proceedings. The elders come in and they're up high on, like, a really tall bench, I guess. I sure yeah I don't really know if it were a courtroom we would have called that the judge's bench yes thing. yeah so Hanno comes in and he kneels to apologize to Tilk for his angry response which shamed himself and his clan and Tilk forgives him for this uh, there's some muttering in the courtroom there's a lot of muttering in the courtroom in this episode there is I mean it's very exciting
1: it is Like, pretty much everything that SG-1 says leads to murmuring (laughs) in the the crowd, I notice. Yeah.
0: Uh, One of the elders hands Hanno a tall staff thing, which I don't know if that's his talking stick, maybe.
1: Yeah, I got the impression that it was a talking stick, also.
0: Yeah, although that doesn't stop O'Neill, so. Of course not. Nothing stops (laughs) O'Neill. Nothing does. (laughs) Hanno says that the punishment for killing his father is death. Jack objects. Objection. Which is an earth expression. There was a lot of muttering after that one. <laughs> there is. <laughs> and Jack says the judges should be impartial, but Hanno doesn't really know what that means. And so Daniel explains it to Hanno in a way he understands. but And Hanno doesn't actually understand because he doesn't know how anyone who has a mind can't have an opinion. A valid question. Yeah, no, it's totally valid. Jack asks for someone else to be in control of the Korai and gasps, <gasps> erupt from the crowd. <laughs> but it is explained to Jack that the person who has suffered understands the pain that has been inflicted. Is that did I say that right? <laughs> Uh, I was yeah. drinking my beer and
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm helpful. Yeah. And I just realized I was finishing it and it made me sad. <laughs> Aww. Do you need to get another one? No. Because okay. that would mean getting out of my setup here and then having to set everything back up. It's like a lot of effort. Annoying. And sometimes when I move the microphone, it just cuts out and then we need to restart the recording. So,
0: So I wrote down... The Jack Jack was explained, the person who has suffered understands the pain that has been inflicted. Does yeah. that sound right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so, say. you know, naturally, who else can say what the punishment can be is their right. argument. And she denies Jack's request. Daniel says it's very Talmudic. I don't know if he said very, but he said it was Talmudic. Oh, I missed and, that part. Um, Jack tells him to can it. Uh <laughs> So they go they move on, and Tilk uh, says he remembers Hanno and over Jack's objections says he did indeed kill his dad. Hanno gives the talking stick back to the elder. A bell rings, and Tilk sits down.
1: A little bit later, Tilk is still sitting in the penalty box, and all the people are gone except for a few guards standing here and there. And O'Neill's talking to Tilk and saying that if he was guilty, he could have told O'Neill, before, O'Neill stepped up to defend him in front of a whole bunch of people. But Tilk points out that if Jack hadn't already known that he was guilty, then he wouldn't have told Tilk not to answer the question of whether
0: or not he killed Hano's father. Suck it, O'Neill. That's right. (laughs) Tilk has you. He does have an excellent point there.
1: So O'Neill asks what happened, and Tilk says that Apophis ordered him to kill the guy. And O'Neill asks... The guards to go wait outside and clarifies that Tilk was just following orders after the guys leave. Tilk says Hano's father died by his hand, regardless of whether it was an order or not, and so if the penalty for that is death, then death is what he deserves. And O'Neill obviously doesn't agree with this, being a military man himself, but Tilk asks if O'Neill ever had to look into the eyes of a crying child whose father he has just murdered. And O'Neill's like, well, not exactly, no. But then O'Neill says that there are lots of things that they wish they could change and certainly can't necessarily forget a lot of the terrible things that they've had to do in the name of orders but that the chain of command takes away any semblance of free will that they have and they have to do what their orders tell them to do. So as a result they've had to do some pretty terrible things. He himself has had to do some pretty terrible things but the fact that it was an order at least takes away some of the responsibility and the guilt from the person carrying out the orders. Tilk Says, so you're basically just saying that this is all Apophis's fault. And O'Neill's like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. But Tilk very strongly disagrees with that. He says that while he was in Apophis's service, he did many terrible things and that his victims deserve retribution. And O'Neill started getting angry at this point. it's like, well, let's just focus on this one case rather than all of those other cases. But Tilk says that this one case, to him, anyway, represents the many cases that, that can't ever be tried. And O'Neill says, well, it shouldn't. And tells Tilk that it seems almost like he has a death wish. But Tilk says that when he looks into Hanno's eyes, he sees the horror on the faces of of many others whose loved ones he's killed. And worse yet, he sees the look on the faces of people who are suddenly realizing that they're about to die by Tilk's hand. And Hanno's father was neither the first nor the last of the many lives that he's taken. And he says he's done far worse than just taking a life here and there. And he can't give all of them retribution, but at the very least, he can give retribution in this one instance, and he will not run. O'Neill says that this is completely unacceptable, and he's going to keep Tilk alive, whether Tilk likes it or not. At this point, the bell rings, the crowd comes back in, as do Sam and Daniel, who were apparently hanging out outside somewhere.
0: Yeah. I thought that they were a team. Why wasn't the team there working on this? Yeah, that's a good question. I was also wondering why they weren't in there, but (laughs) they weren't. I don't know. Back in session, I guess, whatever this ceremony Cori is, Jack is asking Daniel questions about what happened to Sharae. So they go through the story of what happened to Sharae. You know, they were all captured and Teal chose her. Out of the crowd to become a host, and Daniel eventually forgave him for that, or at least realized that was the old Tilk and not this new Tilk 2.0. Tilk 2.0. That other one was like Tilk 1.5.1 or something.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> he continues to defend Tilk and say that if Tilk could, he would help get Shari back, uh, that Tilk is his friend. And then. Sam gets a turn questioning Teal'c about his turn from from the dark side (laughs) to the light side from his time with Apophis. So she questions him about his decision. And she is highlighting that this was a huge risk for Teal'c and that she says he's very modest when he talks about what he's done and the big risk and big change and that he's got a family, and she asks him if he's going to see his family ever again, and Tilks says that that is unlikely.
1: Outside, we see Daniel walking through the village, and he finds the woman that was supposed to be Tilks' representative, or lawyer, essentially. And she asks if he's lost his way, but he says, no, he's just looking around, and she says he is welcome to do so. <laughs> Then Daniel says, you have a very lovely existence, which just seems like a really weird compliment. That me. is weird. <laughs> so she's like, thanks. It would be better <laughs> if it weren't for the gold and the Jaffa. But I guess you're right. And yeah. so Daniel mentions that he can't figure out where everyone lives because there don't seem to be any homes or houses anywhere. And she's like, well, then we live here. She didn't really quite understand what he was getting at. And he explains that he not he was trying to figure out where they sleep and take shelter. So she tells him that they sleep in the hiding and that they have many caves and shelters hidden all over the forest so that when the gate powers up, they flee in all directions and disappear. And Daniel says, so they only catch the slowest among you then? And the woman says, well, no, we don't leave anyone behind. We all go or none of us do. Whew. Hmm.
0: Daniel, armed with this new information, runs down the stairs to the prison cell And says he has a way to help Teal'c. He then asks Teal'c to explain what happened that day he killed Hanno's father in detail. Rather than giving the Reader's Digest version. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Which I don't know. I have not read a Reader's Digest since I was like 10. Yeah. So I'm not sure what he means by that. (laughs) <laughs> I
1: don't remember. It I used to matter. read it all the time. My parents <laughs> yeah. subscribed to it, so I used to read it then. But yeah, it's been a long time. I wonder if that's still around. I have no idea. I think it is. <laughs> Probably. Maybe. Do <Maybe. laughs> you think they still print it? Are print magazines still a thing? I guess those are still a thing.
0: They are. They're just not as prevalent as they once were. I don't know. I subscribe to all of one magazine, and I only get the digital version. I get Connecticut Magazine because I donate money to NPR and I can't figure out how to make it stop coming in a print form.
1: <laughs> I get Runner's World and then forget to read it every month. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing that for a while too and I just
0: <laughs> it's like I can't do this. Anymore. I'll forget about it and then I'll
1: read like the entire year in like 2 days and then I'll forget about it again for another year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Connecticut Magazine even comes when I'm not actively donating to NPR, so I don't know I think I'm just on their list and I just get it. I don't. Awesome. Yeah, it's fine. Once in a while, I read their restaurant lists. I used know. to get
1: parenting magazine and Jeff used to get the AARP magazine, and neither of those were appropriate for us, and we Ooh. had no idea why we were getting them. But I, we were.
0: I did get two issues of Cigar Aficionado <laughs> for some reason. <laughs>
1: There's one thing I know about you. It's how much you love smoke and smoking and everything to do with all things tobacco and uh, other smoky things
0: related. Yeah, they nailed that one. (laughs) (laughs) Sure did. So we get a flashback while Teal describes the story to Daniel. So they have a, the Jaffa have captured a group of people in the hall for Apophis to choose some hosts from we should specify that this is the flashback sorry yes this is the, we're in the flashback now <laughs> sorry <laughs> Apophis orders Teal'c to kill one of the prisoners and Teal'c kind of watches people struggling and with the guards and he seems to hesitate and Apophis then tells him he will kill all of them if Teal'c doesn't kill one of them so Teal'c pops open his snake helmet and raises his weapon <laughs> Can he not shoot it with it closed? I'm not sure why. They, they can.
1: We see them firing yeah. with them closed all the time. I don't know. I think they want to just show us Teal'c's humanity in this moment. And That's that... fair. Yeah.
0: <laughs> his Jephonity. Jephonity.
1: <laughs> well, if he was really Jephonity, if it was Jephonity, yeah. then it would be evil.
0: <laughs> Teal'c spots the, the man with the one leg in the crutch, standing there apart from everyone else, with his hand outstretched towards Teal'c. Which I'm not sure if that was a please don't kill me or I'm not sure what he was trying to convey with his outstretched arm.
1: He had a pretty pleading expression on his face. Yeah. And my impression was that he was begging to be the one chosen to die I to was save everyone else.
0: Trying to figure out if that's what he was saying. Yeah. That but, w- yeah.
1: Yeah, he doesn't actually say anything, yeah. but that was my impression.
0: But at least nobody Tilk did not infer that or at least he doesn't say he inferred that, which I would think I felt that like... he
1: would be like trying to shield himself if he was pleading for his life, maybe or like pleading to be saved i, I don't know true. i think that yeah. he might make a different gesture
0: well tilk kills him yeah so yeah yeah sure does a child's screaming and pops out of the 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 chaotic crowd to find his father dead and then he looks up at tilk with tears streaming down his face and a look of anger I felt very sad for the kid it was very sad yeah Tilk then tells them that Apophis chose several of the women and then let the rest of them go without killing them Daniel and Sam think that this flashback gives a good defense not the flashback itself because that would be (laughs) strange to be like I present this evidence of a flashback (laughs) but the information they gathered from the flashback information that was redundant can be used to help Tilk. Jack disagrees and calls this a kangaroo court and he's planning he's going to take Sam back to the SGC for reinforcements. He doesn't want to hurt anybody, but he wants to bring enough firepower to scare the crap out of them so that they'll just <laughs> let Teal'c go. Yep, and he's going to do it whether Teal'c likes it or not. Yep. Teal'c again does say that he will not run, but O'Neill's yeah. like, "Yeah,
1: I don't care. You're coming with us anyway." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, he literally says that he's going to come with them, whether or not O'Neill has to knock him out and carry him himself. Yep. So anyway, back on Earth, Sam and Jack are greeted by Hammond at the gate, and Hammond asks where the rest of the team are. And O'Neill says, there's no time to explain, but we need a combat unit organized ASAP. And Hammond tells some random guy, do it, and now fill me in. Back in the Karai room, the trial has resumed, and Daniel is saying that by killing that man, meaning... Hanno's father. Tilk saved the lives of the rest of the villagers, and he even saved Hanno himself. And Tilk is like, Yeah, I guess that's true. Daniel says, Can you be sure he really would have killed everyone else? And Tilk says he's seen him do it enough times to know that he would have. Daniel points out that even though Tilk was faced with a really terrible decision, he chose the lesser of two evils. Hanno says he chose to kill a man that couldn't run away and that's not heroic that's just cowardly and evil but Daniel says that he was told that the only defense against the Goa Wold is the ability to run and hide and asks if that's true and Hanno says that when the lights appear we flee to our hiding places yes that's true so Daniel points out the fact that you need to be able to move pretty quickly in order for that to happen right and of course Hannos is like yeah we need to be able to run quickly so Daniel says well Tilk, did you know that back then? And apparently he did. Tilk says that they were difficult to locate whenever they came to this planet and seemed to be able to vanish into the forest as quickly as a flock of birds. So then Daniel asks Hanos how fast his father would have been able to move, and Hanos is like, well, it doesn't matter. He never would have been left behind anyway. So Daniel points out that while your group was only as fast as its slowest member, and we see one of the elders looking very contemplative at this mention of the fact that he would have really been slowing everyone else down and putting them at risk Daniel asks Tilk why he chose Hano's father and Tilk says that he saw the injury and knew that if he took out just that one injured person the rest of the group would be able to move more quickly and possibly even be able to evade the Jaffa and the Igual the next time that they came the crowd reacts but Hano gets really angry At this, which is understandable, yeah.
0: I, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. This is I found this argument super gross. I mean, I know what he's doing and I understand, but I just like being like, yes, let's kill the crippled and then we'll be stronger and it'll be great, right? It's just a gross thing in general. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a tough argument.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I said crippled, the man with one leg. Yes. But yeah, I get it, but it just it was squeaky. Yeah. Yes, agreed.
1: Daniel says, You made a decision. You chose to kill one that day in order to save many lives later. And there's more murmurs, and Tilt confirms that that is correct. Daniel addresses the crowd and says that if he hadn't made that choice, then many of them might not even be alive today. And Hannos says that he doesn't really understand why any of this is relevant. And Daniel says that Tilt is a good man now and in an integral part of an effort to fight the gold and asks that they spare his life and Hannah says well you keep saying he's a changed man and use this example of him firing on his own men this is so much dialogue so much dialogue Yeah, so talky but I feel like you can't really leave a whole lot of it out either
0: yeah like this this scene in general like is super long in my notes because yeah yeah, same here Daniel said and then Hannah said and then Daniel (laughs) said and then Hannah said you could change it to Daniel was like and then Hannah was like (laughs) and then they were like ah (laughs) (laughs)
1: Hanno says that they keep arguing that he's a changed man, but if he was willing to fight on his own people, why didn't he do that sooner instead of killing his father? Why didn't he fire on the other guards then instead of waiting? And Daniel tries to argue that it wouldn't have done any good if he'd fired on him then, but Hanno said, well, my father might have been alive, so that would have been something good that came out of that. But Daniel tries to argue that he wouldn't necessarily, that Hanno's father would not necessarily have still been alive and even if his father had survived that day, the Gueld might have sent even more soldiers back to exterminate the entire population. And Hanno asks, "Well, how do they know that they didn't do it to your people?" But hmm. Daniel says they tried to. But you know, what about the people on Chulak, though? I was wondering about during this whole scene. Where, like, yeah, that wouldn't seem to be worrying about them a whole lot.
0: <laughs> that wouldn't have uh, helped Daniel's argument at right. all. So we'll just leave that out for now. Yeah, well, let's not talk about that part. Chulak. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Kulak Shmulak. Daniel continues to address the crowd and says that Tilk might have killed Hanos' father, but that in doing so, he saved all of you. And Tilk's death won't change the past, but his continued life can help everyone's future. At this point, the head elder says that Tilk's fate is not decided by them, but that law dictates that only Hanno's can make that decision. And at this point, Daniel's pretty upset to learn that because Hanno is still obviously very opposed to them even though he seems to be swaying the crowd. Hanno does concede at this point that Daniel's argument is wise and moving and commends him for it but that even though he's made a compelling argument this current good can't negate any past evil that has been done and none of this changes the fact that Hanno's father is still dead because of what Tilk has done. So, no amount of good in the presence can erase what Tilk has done before. And because he's guilty of killing Hannah's father, tomorrow he will die at midday by his own weapon, just as Hannah's father did. Bell rings and more murmuring.
0: Conversation. <laughs> Back at the SGC, Jack, Sam, and Hammond are in a conference room where Jack and Sam are explaining the situation to Hammond, who is confused and wants to know, are the people hostile? And Jack says, well, they're executing Teal'c. And Hammond argues that they treated the rest of you with respect and now you want to attack them? Jack explains, no, his plan is to just scare the crap out of them (laughs) into doing what they want.
1: See, before Jack had said, well, there's no time to explain, just get the team. But then they obviously all took the time to explain anyway before the team was sent through. So I thought it was funny before when you, we were going through the scene of how Jack's like, we can't explain, just send them. But well, no, maybe, they...
0: maybe he's using the assembly time to explain. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, maybe. Then <laughs> Hanuman says... Hilariously, that the United States is not in the business of interfering in the affairs of others.
1: I actually laughed out loud for that one. I don't typically, I I know I've mentioned that a couple times for this show. I don't laugh out loud by myself in a room a whole lot, but yeah,
0: Yeah. (laughs) for that one. Jack rightly questions this. Yes. But Hammond says, at least not since this last administration was elected. Oh, of course. So. We're in a fictional, fictional version of the United States. <laughs> yes, at this point.
1: Yep. <laughs> Quite fictional. Yes. <laughs> I <It> was just <sighs> good times. Good
0: times. Like I'm glad that it, that just didn't get a pass. <laughs> <It was laughs> yeah. Like, what? I was
1: gonna be annoyed if they just like kept going on past that and uh, and nothing.
0: Jack argues that they're there they they want to go to rescue one of their own and Hammond points out that Teal is not one of our own <laughs> in the sense that he is not an American or even a person of earth and Sam says setting aside friendship, how can we let such a valuable resource get away? Hammond says the laws of the people on this planet and the laws of the United States are similar and that. They don't stop pursuing war criminals just because the war criminal had a change of heart. And O'Neill's like, war War criminal? And Hammond says, yes, Yes, Colonel, he is. Yeah. Uh, Whether you like it or not, uh, he was a Jaffa and he has done the crimes.
1: Yes. I love Tilk, but (laughs) Hammond's got a point here.
0: Yes. Tilk did distasteful things and this was bound to happen sooner or later, you had to have known. Right. Jack's like, I've done distasteful things myself. And I'm not going to allow them to execute my friend. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing at them. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was. I think I'm thinking about like what, to, how distasteful things do you think Jack has done? I don't yeah, know. that's a good question. We don't ever find
1: out. Let's see, 90s. He was probably in Desert Storm. I don't know. Yeah, Could've done terrible things then. Coulda. Could he have been in Vietnam? I don't. No, that no, we no. no that he would have been way too young for that. Okay,
0: yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know ages. I don't know math. Math 40, is for chunks. Forty-seven and
1: ninety-seven. So he was born in nineteen
0: fifty. Oh well. So he yeah he could have he been could have been <laughs> actually yeah. Anyway, oh they argue that. They should be loyal to Teal, like he's been loyal to them. And Hammond says, "Yes, personally, I agree with you, but not based on our government policies, which is what we follow." Uh, Jack shouts, "Fine, let's call the president." <laughs> and Hammond shuts him down. And Carter says, "We don't have a lot of time." And then Hammond walks away, and we kind of, as so we see as he walks away, there are troops ready at the gate. All like six of them. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I mean, granted, we can't see the entire gate room, but they only show six people. And I was it's like, is true. that really
0: what their superior numbers are? I mean, you know, they've got those fancy guns. That's true. Remember remember in uh, Emancipation how excited that dude was for the one <laughs> gun with the six <laughs> that's bullets. That's true, yes. So maybe that's enough. Uh, could be, yeah.
1: They don't know that there's, well, their, their weapons would have more than six bullets in them. So I was gonna yeah. say, they don't know that there's only six weapons in each gun, but now those <laughs> guns would have had one more. yeah. <laughs> Back on the other planet in the dungeon, Tilk is being painted with body and face paint. And Daniel comes in and just like rests his face on the bars and's like, What you doing? <laughs> and Tilk's like, Preparing for my death. <laughs> Why? What are you doing? <laughs> Daniel's like, Oh. <laughs> it was a weird scene. <laughs> I noticed here that uh, Tilk was shirtless, but that they gave him like a nice little girdle abdominal wrap, so I guess they didn't feel like doing all the makeup for his gross pouch for
0: this. <laughs> yeah, and they could explain that as we don't want that gross thing popping out <laughs> while we're trying to kill Tilk. Right. <laughs> At this
1: point, Tilk tells Daniel that he has one last request, and that is to donate his body and that of his symbiote to the scientists back on Earth for study. To learn new ways to fight against the Jaffa and the Gowals. But Daniel says there's not going to be anybody to donate. And Sam and O'Neill are going to be back here uh, very soon with new, with more troops. And the women that are painting Tilk don't react to that at all. Like, they're right there and could clearly hear this conversation. <laughs> okay. And they don't react at all to the fact that Daniel says that people from a foreign planet are going to be bringing troops in through the gate? That does seem uh, a little strange. <laughs> it no sense. They're like, okay, we'll continue painting. <laughs> Not tell anyone that we need to run and hide in our hiding places.
0: They're just ladies. What do they know? Uh, that's a good point. Very true. Very true. Uh, background. Infra- <laughs> anyway. So tilk
1: says, well, don't allow them to deny the bursa the retribution they deserve. And Daniel says, well, for once I'm on O'Neil's side. I appreciate you wanting to respect their wishes, but you don't deserve to die.
0: In the SGC, Hammond returns to the conference room from having a conference of his own with his bestie president, French. So apparently he did actually call the president he after did. all. Of As course he, he did, did because that's what Jack wanted. What <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't bend all the way on this one. So no. um, true. Hammond, uh, the president says they can't mount a rescue for Teal'c. And Hammond agrees, and he can't commit troops to risk their lives in a mor- morally ambiguous action. And he also, furthermore, orders Jack not to disobey his orders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that seems like a strange order. <laughs>
0: He's like, normally I give orders and I, you know, you're supposed to follow them. But these ones you really need to follow.
1: (laughs) I know my orders are normally kind of squishy and all, but this this time. This one. I order you not to act, and then I order you to listen to that first order. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Back on the other planet, Sam and O'Neill come through. And everything is smoking, and clearly there has been a recent attack of some sort. They go and hide as some of the snake soldiers and prisoners walk by, and then go down to the dungeon to look for Tilk, but Tilk and Daniel are both gone, and they talk about how they're hoping that the locals took them when they fled, and that they hadn't been captured by the Jaffa and the gold. They go back up and are trying to kind of do some covert ops and hide behind two pillars but make a loud noise, which one of the snake guys hears and turns around, and he sees the very obvious shadow of one of them and fires in their direction and Sam takes off running and the snake guy goes to chase her and is taken down by O'Neill, who was still hiding behind another pillar. And it's unclear if all of this was planned in advance or if they're just really bad at being covert, but <laughs> past evidence would show us that they're pretty bad at being covert, so I feel like it could kind of go either way. Yeah. <laughs> in any case, they now have a staff weapon, so yay! <laughs> yeah! Now I have a staff weapon.
0: Then we are in the Korai room where several of the villagers are hiding with Daniel and Tilk. Hanno suspects that O'Neill is responsible for the gold being there. Tilk says, no, that's not true. Hanno says they are trapped and I think that he said that that is evidence of Jack betraying them because... How would they have known how to cut them off yeah that yeah. seemed to
1: be his argument although it's a little bit of a weird argument because it's not like they showed jack where all the hidings yeah are, so i
0: do that
1: didn't really add up a whole lot to me either
0: daniel says that teal can help them but Hanno is not going to let him help them or let him go at all and he is determined so much to make sure that Teal'c dies at the end of this. That he tells his son to make sure that his wishes are carried out if he dies. Is during... that even his
1: son? It's just a I, random that's kid. That's a good point. I don't know. I just
0: assumed it was his son.
1: Random kid. Kill him if I die.
0: Bury me with my spite. That's true. This could have been any kid. <laughs>
1: I mean, I suppose we can't blame him for being spiteful. But yeah. he still a pretty,
0: <laughs> came across as like, pretty funny to me. There's more important things to worry about maybe right now. Right. Yeah. Unless exactly. he thinks they're all going to die anyway, in which case, why not? Right.
1: Back outside, Sam and Jack are watching the Jaffa and their prisoners, who are pretty much just standing around. And the locals run out, as they had just talked about doing, and the Jaffa fire on them. O'Neill takes them down... O'Neill takes the soldiers down, not the, not the locals. <laughs> and Hannos gives them a nod in thanks. But this was a really bad plan on the part of the locals because they ran. But instead of running for the woods like they said they were going to do, they said they were going to run for the woods and scatter to try to draw yeah. them away. But all they did was run to this like open little three-sided hut where they would have easily been slaughtered. So that was a really terrible plan.
0: Just stop thinking
1: uh, straight, man. Right. Back in the cry room, the snake soldiers come in, and Daniel tells Teal'c, "Don't let them see your face." But a soldier comes in and opens up his helmet, and of course, immediately recognizes Teal'c. And apparently, it is Shackle, who oh! I did not recognize at all, even though it was the exact same actor as the last episode. But
0: yeah, I didn't pick up on him either. But
1: he had like that little, like weird metal uh, kind of skin cap. Kind of thing that they yeah wear when they're like off duty in the other episode i think and here we can see that he's completely bald and as we've already established if there's even like the slightest change to someone's appearance i can no longer
0: recognize them He's <laughs> also half covered even when you take so, that snake helmet down yeah. i was like you can't see his face very well but <laughs> daniel would probably be more likely to recognize him than i am so yeah that's fair <laughs> Here we get a close-up of
1: Tilk's bound hands and someone, who I think was the kid that Hannes was talking to, but it's not really clear because we only see hands. Uh, Somebody shoves a knife into Tilk's hand and he immediately starts trying to cut away at the ropes. Tilk tells Daniel to just go with the others who are being led away. Shackle comes up and stands before Tilk and tells Tilk that with his death, he's going to assure his own fate as First Prime. But before that can happen, Tilk frees himself and stabs and
0: kills Shackle.
1: What and a, apologizes. Yeah. What a process.
0: dummy, though. Like, don't take the time to glow. Just fucking kill right. him. Just kill him. Don't, yeah.
1: <laughs> you already know that Tilk's badass, so yeah. you should not have hesitated. That's there. on you, Shackle. It really is. Once Shackle is down, Tilk grabs his staff and starts firing on the other soldiers. One of the soldiers takes a hostage by the throat at this point and also points his staff weapon at a group of children who are cowering on the stairs. And he's about to fire the weapon, but Tilk dives in front of them, using his body as a shield and takes that hit. And then the soldier points directly at Tilk and is about to kill him when O'Neill comes in and takes down the guard. Woo-hoo. They come over and take a look at Tilk's injury and say that it's pretty bad and they need to get him home. But Tilk's like, nope, not going to happen. He gets up and stands in front of Hanos and presents Hanos with the staff that he was just using. And says, it is midday. I am prepared to accept my punishment. Hannos takes the weapon and looks at it for a few moments. Tilt takes a few steps away, turns around and waits bravely for his death to come. But it does not. Because Hanos says... Hanno. Hanno? Oh, yeah. 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 Hanno says, or Hanno asks, you would save those who wish to kill you? And Tilk tells him, I would save those who deserve to live. (gasps) Such an honorable person. I know. Tilk 2.0. Not 1.5.1. That guy can go screw, but Tilk (laughs) 2.0 is great. Hano tells everybody at this point that he made a mistake. His memory was faulty. This is not the man who murdered his father. Tilk tries to insist, no, I am the one. And Hano says, no, that Jaffa is dead. You have killed him. We have our own wounded to care for, so your friends better take you back home to your own planet. And he hands Tilk back his weapon. And Tilk bows his head, presumably in thanks. And this reminded me a bit of the Star Wars scene where Obi-Wan tells Luke that Darth Vader killed his father, but kind of the opposite (laughs) of that. (laughs) Because instead of the bad version of... The person killing the good version. It was the good version killing the bad version. Uh, yeah. yeah, That's what ran through my nerdy head when I was watching this. As Hanno leaves, O'Neill says that they can help the Bursa defend themselves, and Hanno says that they would appreciate that. And then O'Neill goes up and puts his hand on Tilk's shoulder, and they nod at each other, and Tilk stares off in the middle distance as we fade out. And that's the end of the episode.
0: What do you think that assistance would entail? Like, are they gonna build them an iris?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> they don't really say. Send them guards, the weapons. Like sending them guards, we like we don't we don't have a great track record of like fighting them and
0: no face
1: to face. So sending guards there might not be the best idea.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they have some tactical ideas or more hiding ideas. I don't know. An
1: iris would probably be a good idea. How? Yeah cost effective and labor intensive would that be i don't know probably
0: lots (laughs) (laughs) probably so
1: (laughs) i mean i agree that would be the ideal but i'm just wondering from a practical standpoint yeah
0: well and you know the problem is now that the u.s government doesn't get involved in the affairs of others so that's true so So they're
1: not going to send anyone back to help anyway because we don't want to get involved in the affairs of others. Right, right. So Jack's just
0: making promises he can't keep at this point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Good times. Did you like the episode, Kathy?
0: I did like the episode. I really liked the, uh, the multiple moral questions that have multiple viewpoints and none of them are... 100% right I think Yeah, or at least they can all be argued Mm -hmm. so like Jack's like you know Jack's argument is he's a soldier who is following orders Teal's argument and Hanno's argument is he did these things regardless of whatever good he's done he still deserves punishment for what he has done and that the victims of his crime have a right uh, right to that Um, but at the same time the argument that he's a reformed person who is doing good is also important
1: yes I think it was an important episode to have I think it was a good episode to have because I don't think you can have somebody who's supposedly done a whole bunch of terrible things and just kind of like brush all of that under the rug and then never mention it again so I think it's actually important that they had an episode like this where they really address that at least in some way and give the audience an explanation for why and how they're able to look past that and why we should continue to care about him yeah as a character
0: yeah, no, it was. I, I, I liked all of it. Yeah. I like, I like, I like living in gray areas. So <laughs> this was nice. It's not like, yay, Teal'c's our friend. Yeah, he must live no matter what. Right. Fuck you guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a tough episode for sure, but I found it to be, I, I liked it.
0: Me too. What are we watching next? What are we watching next? I have a list. Let me find it. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Oh shoot! But I have up the Wikipedia one, which always gives away the entire episode. Hold on, let <laughs> me uh, let me pop open the Netflix here. Oh, <sighs> open, open faster. Our next episode is season one, episode seventeen. Is that right? Yes. Know. You're the one that tracks those things. Uh, Kind of. (laughs) It's the 17th episode of season one called Enigma. The SG-1 team rescues a group of advanced aliens, but must risk court-martial to prevent the aliens' technology from falling into the wrong hands. Mm. I'm sure it's fine
1: with Hammond around. They're never going to get court-martialed. They're
0: used to ignoring rules and orders all the time. Yeah. I can't remember this episode. Okay. Mm,
1: I don't. I think I might know what it is, but I don't know for sure that I know what it is.
0: That's helpful. If I read the spoilery uh, Wikipedia one, I'll know, but. <laughs> I'm going to try going to this a little, blind. a little blind. Yeah,
1: that's fair. I like to be surprised. Yeah. Well, that's it for us today. Make sure that you subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice. Our episodes come out every other monday and you can also find us on youtube Views and likes are greatly appreciated and help others to find the podcast as well if you need to get in touch with us you can reach us at stargatesing at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter we are at stargatesing you can like or share our page on facebook and you can join our facebook group you can also find us on patreon.com stargatesing if you're feeling generous any donations over there help to cover our production costs And get you access to special donor episodes, and eventually we'll be doing an early release feed as well. And last but not least, you can check out our website at stargatesing.space. I am Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing. The end. The end! I like that whenever you stop to point out that you said um, you then resume by saying um. <laughs> I <can't help> it. <laughs> I'm not gonna say um anymore. Okay. Um, and then...
0: <laughs> what do you want? I don't have any blood in my body!
1: <laughs> None at all. None. You only had a pint to begin with and you took the whole thing. took it all!
0: <laughs> Hanging on by a thread. <laughs> a dribble! <laughs>
1: You've got, like, one red blood cell left in there, (laughs) doing all the work.
0: Replicate! Replicate! (laughs) They don't replicate!
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're doomed. (laughs) No!